Alright, I'll try it again next time. <laughs> I'll try it again next time. Anyway, <laughs> how have y'all been? It's been good. It's been too long, I feel like. But we've done one. So I'm really excited to be here tonight with everybody again doing what we do best. Yes. Miss Tashelle, what's been going on? We are in 2021. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Life. Life is interesting. We are in we are upon some interesting times. Mm-hmm. Back to my avoiding social media. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Might it- well have made that a goal. <laughs> right. And how about you? How are you doing? I am making it. Um, you know, I feel like this is 2020.2. So I feel like this is our second go round already, but I'm not going to claim that. So I'm going to say I'm doing well because the more you speak it, then, you know, the more it'll be a thing. So. Manifest, manifest positive. Yes. yes, speak it into existence. Me, I'm trying to speak a lot of things into existence this year. <laughs> I'll be seeing some of those. <laughs> right. Um, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, all I know is that 2020 doesn't officially end until January, what is it, 30th? So February 1st is when 2021 starts. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> and and <laughs> what caucus decided this? Me. Because here's the thing. Oh, 31st. Whatever. Um, because here's the thing, guys. I feel like New Year's is like we we just switch one day. It's not enough time for things to really like change, you know? So it's like if we start on February 1st, then it's like we have this little leeway time of January. Where it's like we're getting it together. And making our plans, and then February first, we go hard for 2021. She's like, okay. She's like, I need an extra month of transition time. Exactly. Right. You need okay. that time. Okay. Baby, you need to take that up with whoever made these calendars. <laughs> some centuries late. <laughs> this is <a> social construct. <laughs> right. If you right. need that extra transition time, please take your extra transition time. I'm done. But, like, to that social construct point, though, because y'all know I'm, like, overly philosophical at times, I was like, what if this, like, we don't even go by years, you know what I mean? So this is just day, like, three billion, like, whatever, (laughs) you know what I mean? This isn't, like, 2020, this is just, like, one long time period. Just It could be. It sort of is, right? Because we're in, like, we just started a new, what is it, like, millennia? Decade? Decade? Um, a new, yeah, a new decade. Yeah, because millennia would be 3,000. Mm-hmm. And, baby, I don't, it's just, it's a lot, you know? So we're just gonna. Mm. Okay, guys. What is one of your New Year's resolutions? Ooh, I like that question. I do like that question, too. Um, one of mine 
was to get my passport and to leave the country because I've never been out of the country. And so, yes, that's what I'm actively working towards with you lovely ladies. 2021 girl trip, let's go. Yes. Or three. And yeah. But one of <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> right. One. <laughs> one, two, three. Who's counting at this point? Right. <laughs> okay, Jasmine, what was one of yours? So, guys, one of mine... Oh, my gosh. This is so hard. Because I, ha- I feel like I made some really good ones this year. Normally, I don't really take that much thoughts. Like, kind of the same thing. Like, oh, I'm going to not, not eat as much candy. Oh, I'm not going to... Like, I'm going to go to the gym. But... I feel like I took some really good ones, so I'm excited. But one of them, which has been uh, just a device for me, like it's so bad, is I'm not going to buy any pins for an entire year. It's going to be so hard because I don't know if you guys know this, but I am like a pin fiend. I have pins all over. I buy really fancy pins. I buy pins in different colors, ballpoint, gel, everything. And so I have just, I was like going through all of my pins and trying to like clean out everything, getting ready for the new year. And I found like two gallon bags of pins. So I felt like, you know what? I have a problem. It needs to be addressed. No pins for 2021. Yes, girl. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. Exactly. I know I have a problem. I love my pins. It's just the way that right across the paper. It has to be right. You finna end up on my strange addiction. (laughs) I blame my mother because she is like, we would go to like conferences and things like that. And we would find like the coolest pins. Or my mom would get, like, pins given to her at work, and she had, like, this cool alien pin, and, like, we'd be like, oh, no, look at this cool pin I have, and, oh, no, I have this one. So it's just a whole thing, and it's a really bad habit, so. I'm so done, I'm finna enroll you on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to tell you, I've never counted my pin collection, because I call them collections, because I have a collection. collection right yeah i've never counted and i would be really scared to count like maybe i should do that for our next episode and bring you guys back Inter- <laughs> please do by the next episode we got our miss to show what was one of your resolutions you know, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm trying to be done with school for the first time in 22 years. I've been in school for 22 years, you all. Yeah. We've been about school the same amount of time. So this should be my, my last semester last year. So I'm manifesting, I'm manifesting that. I'm manifesting that for you, girl. Cause yes, because we all are graduating with you. Right. <laughs> This is a collective <laughs> graduate. This is for the squad. This is for the team. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Well, ladies, we can get into it. But, you know, like we already said, I missed y'all. I'm glad that we're back. And I hope that um, the people enjoy this next series because we're doing it more um, regarding health, Black health, um, and the issues that we face within our community. So just as a refresher, we have the future Miss Dr. Tashelle Wright, who um, has a background in public health. 
and specifically with health disparities of African-American and Latinx people with regards to dental health, correct? Yes, oral health, tobacco use, Yes. Yes. And we have um, Miss Jasmine Walton, who will soon be Master Walton. Um, Yes. And, And, you know, her background is not necessarily directly related to health. It is more communications and public administration. However, I feel that, you know, she may have already been involved in the healthcare field without even knowing it because there's so many um, intertwined connections that just kind of flow through. And then you have yours truly, who is a grad school dropout. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know you can say that. I'm just kidding. No, not, yet. Um, not yet. Not ever. No, not ever. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but my background is also in public health. Um, taking more of a look at uh, racial battle fatigue as it relates to African American men and women. Um, and also, most recently, with more of a focus on bioethics and human rights law as we look at police brutality. So, we all come from a wide range of different backgrounds, and I think that this will be most insightful um, in just making sure that we're getting out the information for the people. So, we talked before and kind of gave the outline of what we were going to talk about regarding Black health. Um and now we have Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. And we have this huge push to get vaccinated. And um, it is most controversial. So what are y'all's thoughts behind it? Don't all speak at once. Let's go with. I think that is a good way. That's a good explanation of thoughts I think a lot of people feel and I'm gonna be honest y'all like I did not grow up really believing necessarily in vaccines I don't go around telling people like you why are you getting vaccines that's bad for you blah 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 blah. right I just feel like my parents um and I feel like this might be like sort of historic for a lot of black families where they believe in a lot more of like home remedies Mm -hmm. or not or like conspiracy theories maybe about like the government injecting us or whatever you know whatever your reason is my mom's was more just like she believes in more like home um like remedies and earthly things and so growing up we didn't really use like stuff like nyquil or like we only got vaccinated for the vaccines we had to have to go to school right but we never got like flu shots or anything like that and so for me hearing about like there's a vaccination or like this quickly I guess I just feel like oh my gosh like this is so soon and I get we have like like modern technology and things that make the process of creating a vaccine a lot faster but I guess I still feel a little leery about it we just don't know we just don't know right like it's still so new and there's just not a lot of like case studies or we don't know the real effects of it on certain like top people and so that makes me nervous about taking it so am I saying that I'm going to be the first one in line to take the vaccine probably not am I saying that I may or may not take the vaccine yes because I'm still on the fence about it so 
I'm just looking forward to over the next couple of weeks just hearing how the vaccine affects people and just learning more about it. Right. I can respect that. Tashelle, what do you think about it? I have a lot of things about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. First and foremost, I was like, mm. I'm like, which hat should I wear? My public health hat or my black woman hat? And it, it, it matters. It matters in the sense that I have, my thoughts of it are, are twofold. I definitely understand people's concerns about um, the effectiveness of it and the safeness of it. And I think media plays a really important role in this because we've either seen videos of people taking it and passing out. We've read horrible stories where people got so sick. Weird um, experiences. Mm-hmm. But then you also hear stories about people who are like, oh, it's just fine. Or I got a slight headache and fine a few hours later. Mm-hmm. I think it all has to do with this idea of trust in the tr- trust in the medical field. And even right. deeper than that, trust when it comes to black health and medicine. Um, y'all, mm-hmm. I, I, I won't speak for us all, but many of us know someone who has had a horror story and or on, maybe even lost their life at the hands of medical professionals, especially in the black community. Um, and there's so many stories we can talk about. You know, Tuskegee is one of the most, most common where right. the health system has failed black individuals, communities. And so when you have this vaccine coming out in and you're trying to promote it and get people to take it, you're going to confront historical mistrust. And I even being in the health field and knowing the importance of vaccines, it I do understand people's reluctance to, to taking it. Um, and so I think people need to think about that, not just saying that the black community doesn't want to or they have low vaccination rates. Well, why is that? There are actually several reasons why that could be. It could be a trust issue. It could be an access issue. And you have to remember there's 13% black folks in the United States. There's not as many of us as people like to think, maybe because we're more visible, who knows, whatever the reason is. So those are some things to think about. The rates are gonna be lower in that regard. And then we have black medical professionals and I should have, there's a recent article, there's a couple recent articles actually that talk about black healthcare workers are actually being turned away and yet their white counterparts are being able to access the vaccine. So when you do stuff like this, you know, whether you're in the healthcare field or not, you're going to be wondering and questioning why this is, but it also highlights the inequities that we have learned a lot about in 2020 and continue to hear about when it comes to health. So right. That was a long ramble to say that I understand both <laughs> sides, why people are reluctant. And, and lastly, I have family members. Um, I'll use two examples to, you know, I have my own father who works in a very public setting who got his first round because he was required to by work. And Mm -hmm. I have another person who's like a family member to me who was required to because of their age, they're over 70. Both black men, 
and they had no symptoms. They they said the first round was fine, and that was actually really uh, reassuring. Because I was <laughs> I was concerned for them. I was concerned, like, how was it? Are you okay? How are you feeling? So right. there are there's some good news in this conversation of the vaccine. Um, I don't because you kind of you you I want to hear what you ha- what you think, especially now that you're more in this biomedical field. Yeah. Um. So I think my my feelings and thoughts towards it are you know somewhere in the middle between what you and Jasmine just talked about because in our household too we're also very like we go to the doctor but but we're also very my mom is very like home remedy so like there were many a times where you know we just chill with hot toddy and some like Vicks vapor rub or or some tea tree oil (laughs) and eucalyptus oil you know what I mean yeah girl right so it's like on one hand, you know, if you were to contract COVID, there really isn't much they can do for you anyways. So a lot of those same home remedies would come into play, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the most things, you know, as we talked about already to avoid it would be constant, like washing your hands, wearing your mask, social distancing, all of that. Um, and I also think... I, my training is nowhere in vaccinations, but the little, you know, vaccine 101 chapter that I remember going through, I know that like vaccines took a long time to make. There were like numerous trials, like you had to go through the FDA, the EPA, which is like the European FDA and like all these other different facilities. And all of the long-term side effects had to be reported even if they were mild so that people knew you know, this is a possible side effect to it. And I honestly just feel that it was extremely rushed. Um, And for that reason, I'm not jumping to the first little line because I feel like you didn't, y'all didn't vet it as properly as you needed to. Even if you had somebody working 24, seven, 360, I mean, really not 360, two, two something at that point, like however many days were left in the year, I can't math. But like, even if you had somebody working on that night and day, I just don't think that you you gave it the the time that it needed. And because of that, like, I don't think that we yet know the long term side effects of it. We know like some of the initial things, like may cause spasms or headaches or flu like symptoms or things like that. But for me, I just have a hard time wanting to take it. I have a hard time in you know, encouraging my parents who are both in their 60s to take it. And as far as my grandparents who are, you know, 90, my grandfather's 93 and my grandmother's 89, like they're out of the question for that. Like their immune systems just couldn't handle it, even if they wanted to take it. Um, so like on one hand, I also, you know, go into my public health sector like Tashelle said, wear my public health hat and feel like, you know, we got to take it and that's the only way it's going to be most effective. But on that same public health, in that same public health hat, I'm looking at like the Tuskegee experiment, like you said, or Henrietta Lacks or like 
literally just the stories that my parents and grandparents have shared, you know, growing up. So I say all that to say I'm super skeptical. And unless for some reason I happen to meet Bill Gates and I'm taking the same vaccine as Bill, I mean, like the same vaccine as Bill, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not gonna I mean, I feel like you brought up some really good points that I haven't even thought about of reasons why to be skeptical of taking it. Just the fact, like you said, where we haven't taken the time to know the long-term side effects that people can even, can be like aware of to make that informed decision. Right. On whether to take it or not to take it. Right. There is no way for us to get that type of data because we just got it, you know, like. Right. So, and so that, that's definitely a big point like right. that I feel like isn't being talked about. And that's the thing is that we're all kind of doing this long-term trial run together, right? So like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's very likely that in five years, you're going to see someone like, did you take the Moderna Pfizer vaccine? And are, have you experienced like kidney failure, blindness? Like, you know what I mean? How those commercials are? Like, you may be yeah. entitled to a class <laughs> like that's very likely and I'm not saying like if you are required to take it because of your job by all means take it you know I'm not telling you to quit your job do any of that but I'm saying that if you have the opportunity to to wait a minute to see how it's going to affect like the masses then do that you know if you can like I work directly with COVID now And that's very worrisome to me. But I also live alone. So I feel like, you know, my possibility of exposing somebody else to it has lessened significantly. So, like, if I get it, then, I mean, I'm just going to be chilling at the house, like, by myself. And, you know, hopefully I'll make it through. I don't have any sort of pre-existing condition. So let's just hope it goes away like a cold, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, no. Hopefully not. Yeah, I think like with anything, um, people should definitely do their research, if, you know. And you know, for those who feel like they have concerns or questions, like really, you know, you you are more ask questions, right? Ask questions. You can Google these things. You can ask your healthcare provider if you don't feel like they're certain or if their question, if their way of answering it is not doesn't give you assurance, you know, ask around, do your research, right. make sure it's that seems like it's right for you. And it's all about personal choice. I, well, it will be about personal choice. Right now it's priority populations, you know, but there will be a point where it's that by personal choice, but I would just suggest doing your research. And, you know, I'm hoping that with the, with the clinical trials they did do. And of course, this research has been going on for a little over a year in other countries, for sure. Who knew about this before? Mm-hmm. Maybe look into some of the things that they've been saying, but, you know, don't feel like you are obligated one way or another, unless, I guess, unless you are. <laughs> I don't know. Just do your right. research and, um, you know, if you are feeling sick or something happens and you have a provider that's not listening to you, especially as a black body, find a different one if you can. Because, right. you know, that's a that's a huge issue where, you know, there's there's people, even if black, people who are in black health who 
go to the very hospital they work at and they dismiss all of their symptoms, all of these signs and have them be on their merry way. And there's instances where there's black women who are in the health care field who died during this time. So just feel, just know and I hope that those of you out there listening who this could be helpful information, just know that there's, you don't have to stick with the same doctor. You don't have to, if you have the ability to go somewhere else, you know, your health should be a priority. We know our bodies better than anybody, especially when it comes to these symptoms of COVID and or if they're related to the vaccine and or if they're related to the flu or whatever else is out there spreading. But just be your be your own advocate because it's definitely necessary during these times more than ever. Right. Yeah, for sure. I concur. So we're going to do, um, and we can definitely come back to COVID should we need to. We're going to do more of like a mental health check-in with each other. And then I guess just kind of with everybody else. Because I think along with dealing with like COVID as we all have been for the past almost year and along with, you know, the vaccine, I think that we mentally have kind of exhausted ourselves, if you will. Um, I think that whether that was you know, when we were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, or if we're talking about um, some of just the negative, I think, stigmas, and not stigmas, but the negative sort of reactions that have taken place in our country most recently. And then also, you know, we we just had a coup at, at our nation's capital. And, and that is um, a coup. That's basically what it was. It was like, you know, uh, who was it? A CNN or N- NBC commentator was like <laughs> Vanilla Isis. Like, so Vanilla Isis, if y'all don't know, which I don't know how you wouldn't, they marched up to the Capitol and I guess they were going to demand that that Trump remain in office. And okay, um, I guess, but... I don't, I don't, I don't even feel like they really had that far of a plan. They did though. (laughs) And that's the, that's the scary part about it is that, you know, it looked very unorganized. And I think for a lot of the mass people, like the common people who were just there, like they weren't organized, but then you had a small group of people that was very much organized. Like here in Nashville, one of the men that got arrested had like zip ties and, yeah, like, sorry to hear about that. Type for what, sir? You know what? What? Because they was gonna take people hostage. They was like, Nancy, where are you at, girl? But Nancy, <laughs> Nancy are was you? gone. Like, Nancy <laughs> was gone. But like, so instead, they left that poor, that poor black security guard or the poor black capital officer. By his lonesome. Right. And you know, I'm a I feel bad because when I first saw that video, I was like, look at this man. Like, what is he doing? And then when it was explained, I was like, national hero, look at him. But um anyway, so we just dealt with that. And I think mentally that just kind of added a nice little cherry onto 2020.2. You know? So how are y'all feeling? What are you thinking? Jasmine? Well, you know, I have a lot of 
white people who are my friends or acquaintances, right, that live in my city, right, which is Salt Lake. And I guess this could be wrong of me to feel this way, but I guess I feel like here in Utah, not that this doesn't happen, hasn't happened, right, or can't happen Mm -hmm. here, but I guess I just have never felt like that nervous, even through all of the protests that were happening and like counter protests with uh, Black Lives Matter over the summer and things like that. And I know tensions are rising. I do live in the city, which is much more liberal than the rest of the Mm -hmm. state. So I guess I I don't feel so like as scared as some of like other white people do. Mm Because I had a lot of people ask me, and I live fairly close to like the Capitol here and other like federal buildings in the mm-hmm. state. So, um, and these people also do live, you know, fairly close and in, in the city like I do. And they felt really, really nervous over the weekend. And honestly, I didn't feel that nervous. I know people were saying like, you know, black and brown people like stay inside as much as possible, like lay low, like they're, they're, they're organizing, they're going to do this, this, that, and the other. And I've just never felt that like afraid. And maybe just because I haven't had a direct experience with any of those types of people, but I didn't feel that nervous. I feel like I'll feel more nervous on inauguration day because I feel like they just keep saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And it's not like nothing's really happened. And I think it's just to psych people out to be like, oh, well, nothing really happened. And then boom, it's going right. to happen, you right. know? And so I feel like mentally I'm just keeping sound in that way because I feel like the shoe hasn't dropped yet. Like we haven't made it out the mud. Um, and I guess with everything that happened at the Capitol, I feel really sad, like really sad about the whole thing. Like I feel we're still a country divided and I hope at some point we can come back together and get back to not back to normal because I don't think things were better before this but come to some sort of like conclusion or reckoning I don't know exactly what the right word is but I think our country is just so far left or right right now and we have to get back to some sort of like middle ground and understanding and I hope this administration will be able to do that but I don't know you know you just you just don't know until you know um but I also don't live in a major city either, right? Like Salt Lake City isn't a major city. So I feel like if I lived in like California or even Nashville for that or DC, like, or New York, like maybe I would feel a little more nervous about the whole thing. But I think just because we live in sort of a smaller state, mm-hmm. I don't feel as nervous, but I do feel nervous mm-hmm. for what's going to happen around the country on inauguration right. day. I feel like that. What about you, Michelle? What are your thoughts? I am currently also in Salt Lake City, but in California, if I were to have been there at this moment, the Central Valley area is more of a conservative California. It's not the 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 liberal, and I say that with air quotes, even though you guys can't see that. Um, Central Valley is a lot more conservative, and so I think that. You know, at the end of Shekinah's text that she shared with us, it it said knowledge is power. I think it's really important to just be aware, um, but not to be aware in the sense of be aware of your surroundings. I do think that people of color, black, brown, should proceed with caution 
in certain places and spaces, knowing knowing where you are is really important. I will say that maybe it's because I have a black son or a son I, I should say son that identifies as black. It's it I feel it in a different way than I would have before. I do actually have yeah. I do get nervous. I get fearful. Like I'm scared to like have him be out and about. Um or even be out and about with him. Um, I'm super passing depending on the space I'm in, but usually my hair is a giveaway, right? <clears throat> and his is too, because he refuses to cut it, but that's okay. That's his choice. But, um, I've been really nervous. I've been really nervous. Um, I think for the first time in my life, I've seen the Confederate flags flown around. Um, people who, and I think what's really, this is my opinion. So this is my opinion to speaking to Salt Lake City, Utah, having been born and raised here. It's not explicit. Racism and prejudice is not explicit like it is in the South. South is in your face. They'll tell you straight up. Yeah. Like, they'll tell you whatever. They'll, but here in Utah, it's here. But it's like, sweet. It's really sweet. You never know. And it really mm-hmm. came out when I saw friends on Facebook this last year posting stuff about their political views about black life. And so I'm actually a little bit more nervous than I probably would have been if not all these things had happened. So that's how mm-hmm. I feel about it. That's how I, I feel about it. I think if I didn't, maybe if I didn't have close people, like black men that were close to me, like my dad does not have any of those days off. Um, he is African. He has an accent. He's always been harassed. And where he's working on Wednesday makes me really scared. Out of all places, he's working at um, in a very public space. And so I'm really worried for him. And so I just, I feel like I'm, mental health is really important to talk about because I feel like I'm not even as anxious for myself as I am on behalf of others and people around me. And- right. I'm, yeah, I'm nervous for everybody because before I'm, I felt like, oh, our law enforcement officers are safe. Well, it's obviously very clear that even they might not be. And so, if, so it's actually really everything that's happened last year and even in these last few weeks. Maybe it is a continuation of 2020, 2022.0. Uh, um, it's really a feeling of like no one's really safe anymore, and. People are taking their freedom and right to bear arms and all these different laws to protect them. They're using those, as, in my opinion, as a way to really cause them harm. But they're being allowed yeah. to do so. Like, <laughs> the things I had witnessed with, uh, we all had witnessed with what had happened in the last few days. If our people have been doing that, there'd be body bags let's be honest and so it's really and so it's really it's really upsetting to know that certain folks are able to get away with this and whether we have a weapon or not even if the weapon is just our voice we aren't safe so i'll i'll just conclude with i'm I'm nervous and i'm scared and i think it's really good that we talk about these things and find safe and safe spaces if possible to talk and to even be Chikaina, I'll let you go. Um, I, once again, mimic all of 
your sentiments. I feel so I am not in Salt Lake City. Let me preface it by that. I am in Nashville and that um I'm gonna circle back to in a second. <laughs> but I think um <laughs> even to Tashell's point, I think no so I feel nervous, period. Just for Utah, for Nashville, just period. Um, and I am nervous for my mother, who is a strong Black woman, who has a voice that refuses to be silenced. I am nervous for my father, who is a proud Black man, and he, like is fearless in many ways and my brother who is also a proud black man who is like try me if you want to you know like Malcolm X pre-Mecca and that's how pretty much all of our family is is we're we're Malcolm X pre-Mecca and I'm nervous (laughs) um I I say that on Martin Luther King Day we we are nervous um but I think that I'm most I'm nervous in both places because, you know, and you had said before to that you had never really seen the Confederate flag flown in Utah. And oh. I definitely have. Um, matter of fact, the person across the street from us, he flies it. And one of the first things that my grandfather said, and my grandfather, we're from the deep South. So we're from Mississippi. He's from just outside of Brookhaven, Mississippi. And he was like, he doesn't even know what that flag means. Like he doesn't even understand like the context of it you know like you're flying it as a symbol of hate but you don't understand what it means and I think that that's true in a lot of ways I think that you know like people fly it to let you know oh I don't like you but when it's flown down here or I'll say in rural in other rural areas like because it's not just a southern thing you know like the south is blatantly known for that right but Montana Idaho Wyoming other parts of California Boston, <laughs> like other other places are very, you know, in your face about their racism as well. But down here, it's one of those, I'm re- I'll die behind it. You know, like that one lady who got shot at the Capitol, people were very upset about it. And for me, it was like, you know, I wasn't sad, not because I'm like apathetic to it, but it was more like, well, you died for what you believed in. You, you died for your cause. You wanted to be a martyr for your cause. And so, like, what sadness should come from that? Do you know what I mean? Like, our, our leaders died behind theirs. Like, we, I mean, that's what you chose. That's the life you chose. And so, I mean, I just have a hard time with that. But I think I'm most nervous, like Jasmine said, kind of about inauguration day, but I've also like been cooped up in my apartment for like the whole weekend just in case. <laughs> Cause I'm like, uh, I don't wanna risk it. I've just been having people door dash me shit. Um but I'm I'm nervous. Huh? No, I like I'm nervous about it because because I don't know what's going to happen. But I also want to rewind back. I remember saying this on our last um, podcast when we were like just after the election results came in. And I was like, this is going to be a long two and a half months, guys. Like it's a long day till January 20th. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And it was bittersweet for me. And I feel like that's because this, you know what I mean? Like this, this was very anticipated for me. 
And I think, you know, similar to what I said back then, anytime you're cornering a hurt wild animal, that animal is going to lash back. And that's essentially what the lower working white class in America is right now. Like they're hurt, I don't want to say like hurt wild animals, but they are because they feel as though they're losing something. Um, and so this is kind of the consequence of that. But but I, I, I just want for our people to be able to to enjoy these moments as well because we also have our first um, black and South Asian Southeast Asian um, vice president and I feel like that is and she, you know, she, I'm not an AKA I'm a Delta anyway but she's an AKA <laughs> she's an AKA and I feel like this is such a big stepping stone for, for the divine right nine. And, you know, Howard alum, alumni. And I feel like this is such a big stepping stone for all of us. And I just hate that it's kind of getting oh, yeah. overshadowed um, by all of, like, the nation's hatred. And and basically, the, like, you're throwing a tizzy. This, this is what happens when you don't spank your kids. I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, I was just going to say that is, like, I feel like America and just like just the nation in general, like Donald Trump, President Trump, give him his mm-hmm. respect, has given, has made these last what like two months yeah. or whatever since the election just seem so insignificant by the amount of progress that was made on that right. night. Like, and I'm not talking just about like having our first like woman black Southeast Asian vice president I'm talking about like states like Georgia like that's amazing the fact that a black woman helped to affect that type of change in Georgia you know is like we like we just haven't heard about like we just haven't heard people talk about like the amazing progress that was made like people constantly want to focus on the negative and this hatred and oh be careful and blah 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 and it's like can we not celebrate the fact that like these black women just made this like just saved our country not one time but two times like can can we can we talk about that like I just feel like that hasn't happened and I feel so sad for that right because I feel like at least when President Obama was elected into office like we had a moment to celebrate like we did we, I feel like we lived in that moment I feel like people were really like happy and were like this is change this is progress like and it was just a celebration and I feel like all we've been doing is looking oh, over are. our shoulder for the last two months and I'm just tired of that you know I'm, I'm tired of like oh we need to be scared oh we need to be this and I'm like okay, yes, I understand, like, we need to be aware, and I think you should be aware every single day of your life, like, we are black and brown bodies, like, we don't have the privilege of our other counterparts to just go through life, like, gracefully, you know, I, I think every day you walk out your door, you, like, you're at risk, like, you know, you can, it, Sandra Bland, like, she was, made a turn signal and was killed like you know it can it's everyday right. so 
I guess I think that's also why I might not feel as nervous, just because I may, maybe I am being a little Malcolm X on MLK Day. I'm sorry. But I guess I'm just sick and tired of like letting these people like intimidate my people, and I feel like that's what's happened. Like they're posting things on social media and saying, oh, people are taking pictures of houses that have these signs in front of them, you know, because they're going to do this, that, and the other. And it's like, this is all intimidation factors. Like, they only win because they are, because we allow them to intimidate us. And I feel like if we said, you know what? No, F that. We're going to stand together and I'm still going to wave my BLM flag and my sign and everything. And if you want to, try me and let's see what happens. Because that's just how I feel at this point. I'm tired of being scared. I'm tired of people not talking about the amazing progress that that has happened this year in light of COVID nineteen. Like, let's just let's just get let's talk about that. Like, we had a part of the issue is that like, the current what? leader. Um, I'm using the term leader very loosely. The current leader is some. He is a. Um, he's a showman. He's a celebrity. He is someone who needs and wants attention. And that is his prerogative. Okay. But the problem is the people who he follows also love that about them. They're very convincing. They put on a good show. And this person would, I mean, and and, and these groups, it, it goes with the saying that people would rather have negative attention than no attention at all. That's why all this good mm-hmm. news, all this great progress is being overshadowed because they're making sure that there is attention, whether it is negative or not. And Yeah. Yeah. That he is doing a very good job of making sure that he is the topic of conversation every single right. day on the news and making sure that anything outside is not that is completely right. overshadowed. And I just think, for me, I kind of am so nervous about the the way his followers just respond to what he what? says. I just feel like it's so cold. It's cold. It is, behavior. and I think even to the point with the news, I think that at a certain point, we also have to hold our news and media accountable for continuing to report on stuff like this, you know what I mean? Like, I personally like NPR. I listen to CNN because I like Don and um, what's the man's name? Oh, Anderson what's Cooper. Yeah, I love Anderson Cooper too, and I love Chris Como. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> I just get it. <laughs> but um, I think you know we. I listen to NPR because I like that they are relatively unbiased. They just report the facts, that's what it is, move on, and then they go to the world news and stuff. Um, But I also feel like the reason why President Trump is so effective is because he's he's speaking to those hurt people, like I was saying. You know what I mean? And and I think that there, there was a, a quote that I saw earlier that was talking about how similar to his speech just before the Capitol situation was to things that Hitler used to do, like showing different videos and giving these speeches and rallying up 
the crowd and then they had their first unsuccessful like overthrow of the government and then he came back and then you know the holocaust happened now i'm not saying that another holocaust situation would happen but what i am saying is that i don't think that we are prepared as a democracy and definitely not as a community of people being the african-american community to address that should it happen like i think that you know, I don't know about y'all's households. I know that we talk a lot about like gun violence and stuff like that. I personally am not like a huge fan of guns, but I also feel like the education and the knowledge that goes into that is also a benefit. You know what I mean? If you know how to use one, if you know where to store one, then I don't see an issue with it. I, I personally own one, you know what I mean? And I have my permit and I feel like more of us Without sounding extreme, girl, you yeah, girl, yes, I'm, <laughs> she ready. I just okay. but I think, I, think <laughs> I, I, I do. Yes, for protection. People don't change. You said what? <laughs> I said you think you well, for people. protective measures. <laughs> I'm a single young black woman in this city. I like relatively alone. Yes, I have one. What am I gonna do? You. Get you with my taser and hope you stop? Like, also, my mom just bought me a taser. So, <laughs> but, um, I think I know that some people feel very indifferent towards firearms, and I understand that. But I also feel at the risk of sounding radical that we should have more proper, like, gun education and we should have that in our homes. I do think that we should practice safe and effective, um, like gun training because we don't know what's going to happen anybody could run into your home or into you at any given time and then you have to ask yourself if that were to happen or to show you know you're with your son oftentimes if someone were to do something what are you going to do how are you going to respond to that and now i'm not saying get a whole you know arsenal of things because also part of the reason why i didn't explain earlier of being afraid in nashville is they have whole bombings downtown and you don't know why so you have to think you know okay well is the next bombing going to be in a predominantly black neighborhood um was this a one-off thing like he just died and there's nobody else with him were there other people that wanted to do that and nashville is not a large like metropolitan city you know what i mean it's not a new york or boston or miami or an atlanta it's pretty it's pretty small and up and coming but he was able to knock out telephone internet signals to knock out planes from communicating and that's a big deal and that's really scary at how easy all of this is like we are not prepared for anything (laughs) and I think if nothing else that's what this experience has taught me but I do want to you know give the flowers to the first black senator of the state of Georgia and Stacey Abrams and you know everybody else and we do need to celebrate but I also think we need to be prepared and knowledgeable of our situations as well as celebrate yes I agree with you I mean we have this conversation in my house I feel like every like couple of months about should we have a should we get a gun like should we have a firearm 
and I tend to lean on the side of just I'm just not very comfortable with that like we have plenty of other like things we have lots of knives and things in our house and so I guess we just feel I'm just very uncomfortable with having a firearm and especially I feel like this is being black people in a predominantly white state holding one just makes me nervous it just makes me nervous for what people will think or what could happen and so I've just always erred on the side of like not for me not for my household but if you feel that is what you need to do to protect yourself and to have yourself feel safer in your home I think by all means you need to do that because I think at the end of the day it's about each of us making those decisions that will make us feel most safe especially in our homes that are supposed to be our safe havens so I think that's great that you have that you've been trained Shekinah, and if, I know if we're out, that she's packing. <laughs> I mean, it's again, it's not something that you bring with you everywhere, and it is something that you keep, like, in a safe, you know what I mean? But I also think, like I said, I, I don't want, I don't think it is likely to happen, given where I live, but I also think that it might be a possibility, and if that possibility were to happen, um, I'm I'm not I'm not Ronda Rousey, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> and you have to think I about it. Like our skin is already seen as a weapon, right? So how are we really going to protect ourselves when we're already deemed as armed and dangerous just by being mm-hmm. black? Right. Um. Well, thank y'all for taking the time to share some of your thoughts, and I know that. You know, we kind of touched on a couple of different things today, and I am very excited for our next our next time's episode where we dive a little bit more into um, like women's health, men's health, and mental health. Um, I think that it is a conversation that is still much needed, and I look forward to that. Do y'all have? final thoughts or things that you want to add before we hop off? Well, you know, maybe we, maybe we can end with something we look forward to because there's a lot of stuff we have that we're worried about. We can all end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. That can start us off, but I really do look forward to uh, you all having your passports ready to go in the next few months. We're trying to be global. Yes. <laughs> We're trying to be global. We're trying to do a podcast on the beach somewhere. But yeah, just I look forward to being able to see the world and travel in a COVID-free or at least less of a COVID threat of an environment. What's something you look forward to, Miss Javi? I agree. You know, when you said that, I was like, oh, dang, now I got to think of what I look forward to. Um, But I look forward to 2021 being a year of practice and leveling up because I'm in the process, everybody, fingers crossed, of buying my first home and becoming a homeowner in the next couple of months. 
and um, hopefully extending my education and looking forward to having continued good company and friendship because my squad squad is the bomb. Just kidding. Mr. Kaido, what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to stepping on someone's international beach with somebody, with my squad, but with somebody's son and (laughs) several drinks in hand. I look forward to a possible (laughs) role on 90 Day Fiance. Got him. I just. That's right now, right. Um, your translator, if needed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, you know, thank you, thank you. Um, but in all seriousness, I do look forward to traveling. Um, and I am looking very much forward to Woo! applying to law schools and getting accepted into yes. the program of my choice. Yes. Um, because, you know, 30 is right around the corner and <clears throat> right. And so I, I need to keep get my streams of income up, get my education where it needs to be, and then ask the Lord to speed up his little timeline <laughs> on this relationship because it's going to turn to dust. Like, I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, and I look forward to seeing where the podcast goes, though, because I love doing this with y'all. Why is your face like that, Jasmine? All right. You know what? The people cannot see the face. But I can see the face. The people need to know Jasmine was making the this face, basically. She's ready for California. That's what's up. Yes. Right. Let me, okay, before we get off, I just need the people to know enough how bougie <laughs> our co-host is but I love him all I'm saying is that God, if you travel people travel in style baby allow for stops <laughs> like I love her in all her bouginess I'm like fake bougie like I be liking to be like oh yeah I'm kind of bougie but like on a budget Jasmine. Yeah, I'll be bougie on a budget. Jasmine, I'll be regular like, bougie. Mm-hmm. I'm bougie on a budget. You're just regular bougie. You know, and I just, I love it all, girl. Black girls in luxury. I had to get me that luxury car when I went to California. Girl, but I why? Because Jasmine's in the category, I, category of what they call a dink, which means double income, no kids. So she, she is. She is living her life. That life. And that's okay, Man, girl. That's we life. will live through you. Me. I got my new couch. You're just saying nothing against what you said. She's really like, you are right. You are right. <laughs> right. She she is. And I'm not I'm a what is it? A sink <laughs> then? Single income no kids. <laughs> but it's it's i love it anyways i love to see it anyways 
one last thing as we get ready to end. I'm going to ask y'all the question that we decided we were going to end with at the first of the series. Why does Black Health matter to you? And then we will sign off for the evening and come back next time. So, Miss Tichelle Wright, why does Black Health matter? Black Health matters to me because once we are able to achieve equitable Black Health access to resources we are getting steps closer to black liberation being able to truly truly be free we are by comorbidities and diseases and inequitable access we're going to continue to be down so black health equals black liberation that is why it matters to me i love it here for it Miss Jasmine, why does Black Health Black Health matters to me because I want to live a long, prosperous life. And that means I've got to go see the doctor every once in a while to make sure everything's working correctly. And I would like to have doctors who Say truly that. care. One more time for the people in the back. Doctor, okay, I truly care. Oh, she said it with her whole chest. That looks Make like sure y'all hear it. <laughs> I just wanted you guys to all make sure that you knew like that. We have like you. If we don't know, now we know. Exactly. Everybody, everybody heard it. Um. <laughs> and Miss Pearl, aka Miss Shekinah. Black Black Health health Matters to me. Um, because I feel like Black Health Matters to me because I think that it is a right that we have. I think we have the right to be healthy, to live our best lives, to live our best quality lives. Um, And I think that whether that's in a regular institution or if you follow people like Dr. Sabi, we have the right to live our best, most prosperous, most blessed lives. And our ancestors Mm -hmm. did everything to make sure. I I gotta end with a quote, if I may, if I may. All right, just because today is January 18th, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in order to offer the very related quote that I always share is of all the forms of of all the forms of inequality injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane and that has not changed but our community no so let's hope hope for better pray for Hope for better and strive to make it so. All righty. So, once again, thank you, ladies, for joining me for this episode of We Got Us. Thank y'all for um, tuning in. And just remember, don't nobody got us like we got us. Like, we got us. Bye.